There is a tan line on my left finger, where my engagement ring used to reside. But the tighter I grip the steering wheel of my rented Impala, the more it fades away. 36 hours ago, I watched Grant walk out of our luxury Scottsdale townhome without so much as an apology. Once I composed myself, I called my sister, booked my stay, and packed my things. And now, I'm here. Parked near the side yard of my childhood home, an electric buzz hums through me. Hope? Excitement? Fear of the unknown? I feel everything all at once, and I love it. The proprietor is supposed to meet me at the door to hand off the keys and answer any questions. I've already paid the five grand, which covers 60 nights here, as well as a cleaning fee and deposit for incidentals. A sleepy Australian shepherd mix pokes its head up from the back of a dark blue vintage pickup truck outside our old machine shed. Rising, it wags its tail before hopping down and coming to investigate. The ring of my phone and the console cup holder startles me. Once again, it's Grant. And once again, I choose to ignore him. There's nothing he can say or do at this point to convince me to give him another chance. An apology would be nice. But it wouldn't change things. The damage is done, and I've never believed in second chances. Tossing my phone in my bag, I climb out of the car and pop the trunk. My two suitcases are filled to the hilt, crammed full of almost everything I have. Clothes, shoes, jewelry, photos, a few keepsakes. Grant owned everything else in the apartment we shared, and looking back, I wonder if it was just a tactic to keep me around. He owned everything. I had nothing. Only him. Soon after graduating law school and moving west, he insisted we start from scratch. He wanted all new everything. The kinds of things that a Maserati-driving, Gucci-loafer-wearing attorney would have. We threw out our stained futon, hot plate, and faded dorm bedding, and embarked on our new journey courtesy of his shiny and new Black American Express card. The dog watches me, blinking its mismatched eyes and keeping a conservative distance before taking a seat on the dirt and gravel driveway. Wheeling one of my bags to the gate, I show myself through the very same picket fence my father built 20 years ago and pause to take it all in. I wasn't sure what coming home would feel like. I'd thought about it a thousand times before, mostly in little daydreams. But I don't think anything could have prepared me for the fullness enveloping my body or the tingles running down my spine and out my fingertips. I can't remember the last time I felt this connected to anything. Being here just feels right. This is home. This is home. Closing my eyes, I can almost hear the sound of my brother and sister chasing each other around the yard with a hose, giggling and squealing. I can picture my mother's flower beds next to the front porch, a sea of pink blooms, and all the Boston ferns she insisted on hanging every spring. The scent of clean air and freshly cut hay fills my lungs, and in the distance, a cow bellows and a wind chime jingles. All these years have passed, and yet nothing has changed. There's not enough money in the world to buy this feeling again, so I bask in it, 
standing on the sidewalk as the bright South Dakota sun kisses the top of my head. It's been far too long. Moving on, I make my way up the painted steps of the front porch toward the screen door. The storm door is wide open, and in the distance, the smell of someone's dinner wafts through an open window. That's odd. Why would the owner make themselves dinner at a rental property? Knocking on the screen door, I clear my throat and peer inside, hands cupped around my eyes. Hello? I call out. The clinking and clamoring of kitchen dishes tells me someone's definitely in there.